When I decided to be a pediatrician, I had no idea how many kids with bullet holes I would be caring for. Sadly, it has become very common for me to care for children who have been shot. Annie Andrews is a mother, a critical care pediatrician, and she's also running for Congress in the 1st District of South Carolina. She's my guest today. Welcome to Now Charleston. I'm Sam Spence. It's Friday, May 28th. Now Charleston takes a look at a handful of issues three times a week and tells you why they're important. It's Friday and I've been on the road this week, so I'll be back on Monday with another interview. And today I'm bringing you this short talk I had with Dr. Annie Andrews earlier this week. Annie Andrews is a critical care pediatrician at the Medical University of South Carolina who has researched and been an advocate for gun crime prevention over the past few years based on her experience seeing children and their families impacted by gun violence. She's also in the unique position of possibly being someone who could directly impact what actions we take in the aftermath of shootings, like in Uvalde, Texas this week. She's running for Congress and will face the Republican nominee in November in the 1st District. There aren't many people who could bring such an up-close perspective on the gun violence crisis than Dr. Andrews. Dr. Annie Andrews, thanks for joining me. Thanks. So we're sitting here almost in a day uh, after the latest horrific mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas. You have intimate experience with the impact of violent gun crime. Um, how have you witnessed or experienced the impact of gun violence in your everyday work as a pediatrician? Yeah. So I'm a mom of three and also a pediatrician. And when I decided to be a pediatrician, I had no idea how many kids with bullet holes I would be caring for. Sadly, it has become very common for me to care for children who have been shot in the children's hospital. And it takes just one of those encounters to really uh, light that fire inside of me to keep going in this work. So it is because of what I've witnessed as a pediatrician, these preventable injuries that children in our community are facing that drove me to become a gun violence prevention advocate, a gun violence prevention researcher, and now a candidate for Congress. You say it's it common. How common are we talking? So like if you're working over a course of a week, what are you going to see in the walk in the emergency room? So I take care of hospitalized children and the past two, I do one week at a time in the hospital and I have on average about a dozen to 15 patients during that week that I'm rounding on every day. And the past two weeks I have been in the children's hospital, at least one of those patients has been a patient who has been shot. So one out of 12 kids, I mean, that's insane. You know, when I decided to be a pediatrician, I envisioned myself caring for kids with diabetes and seizures and pneumonia and dehydration. And yes, I care for all those things, but it is so common to walk into the hospital and have to walk into a room of a child who has been shot. What made you want to be a pediatrician to start with? Honestly, the first day I stepped into a children's hospital as a medical student, I knew that's where I belonged. I love working with children who give me hope, children who are more resilient than they should be expected to be, working with parents in those moments of stress and anxiety to help calm their fears and help them find a solution for whatever is ailing their child. It really is an incredible privilege to be able to work in that capacity as a professional. You've talked about uh, gun violence as a matter of public health. Um, what does that mean for you and your work as a critical care pediatrician? So it is absolutely a public health crisis. It should not be a political conversation. 
it should be a public health conversation. And the injection of politics into this issue is what has stalled any progress. I believe that our leaders have an imperative to act on this. As a mom, I sat down with my fourth grader this morning while she was eating her breakfast to tell her what happened in Texas. She was a baby when Sandy Hook happened. She was too young when Parkland happened to understand, but I felt like I had to tell her what happened in Texas this morning before she heard it from her classmates. And that was an impossible conversation. And moms all across this country and dads are having these conversations with their children today. I am incredibly grateful that my child is still alive this morning, but looking her in the eyes and explaining that fourth graders like her were shot and killed in the classroom in Texas yesterday was something that I, I no parent should have to do that. Her immediate responses were, how did he get in the school? Is he in jail? Did his parents know he was evil? How do you have that conversation with a 10-year-old? How did we get to this place in our society? And that question is what continues to drive me to do this work. You recently wrote an article about the impact of gun crime in the journal Pediatrics, um, an article you finished in November last year, you know, well before the most recent um, shootings. Uh, tell us a little bit about the data points you connected in that piece. You kind of dug deep on uh, how all this is connected and um, the disparate impacts, I guess, you have, you found. Yeah, so a team. Um, I led a team of researchers at MUSC, and what we did was we used publicly available CDC data that determines the causes of death for people of all ages in this country. And what we aimed to do was to evaluate the relationship and the ranking of the causes of death for children in the United States, because we knew that the trends were moving in the wrong direction. So for decades, motor vehicle collisions have been the leading cause of death for children in the United States. But as of 2019, gun violence is now the number one cause of death for children and youth in the United States. In 2019, gun violence eclipsed motor vehicle collisions to be the leading cause of death, the number one cause of death for kids in this country. And so what we did was highlight that fact. And then we also evaluated relationships between patient characteristics and rate of mortality by firearm injuries. And we have known that black and brown children have carried a disproportionate burden of firearm injuries and deaths in this country for decades. But what we found in our study was that the rate for black children is increasing faster than the rate for white children. So the racial inequities, the racial disparities in firearm injury in children is growing wider. And if we do not act, if we do not change course, that will continue to be a growing problem. And that is something that none of us should be okay with. And that's nationwide. Is that Was that a study nationwide? Yes. Did you get, I, I would assume correct me if I'm wrong, that if you zoom in on states that are more diverse, is that impact growing larger, faster, even like in states like South Carolina? I don't know. Yeah. So that was, it was a nationwide study. Mm. Um, and we know that gun violence is also the leading cause of death for children in South Carolina specifically. And when you look state by state, this, the most significant driver of firearm mortality state by state is that state's gun laws. Giffords does a great job of associating a state's gun law strength with a state's firearm mortality rate. And as you can imagine, South Carolina has a pitiful score in gun law strength and therefore has a higher, a higher rate of firearm mortality. 
There is a direct correlation between what is happening in state houses and what is happening in Washington, D.C., and the firearm mortality rate in states across this country. All of this is, is, is very complicated, like all the issues that feed into why the things are the way they are. But it's not like we haven't had a chance to dig into it and figure out why they're that way. Like, why, why is there this uh, fundamental lack of will to understand the factors that contribute to gun crime and the, and the unequal impacts that you found? Yeah, so Sandy Hook was essentially a decade ago, right? And here we are again, reliving that horrific nightmare. And we have tried so many different things in state houses and in D.C. And in many ways, we have not made any progress. An entire fourth grade class was just gunned down in Texas yesterday. So it's hard to imagine that we've made much progress. So I think what we need to do is replace the people who are up there that should be making laws to keep us safer. I think that's our only option. We have tried to reason with lawmakers. We have tried to use emotion. We have tried data. But again and again, people are being gunned down in movie theaters, in grocery stores, in schools, on the street. So the only option we have is to start using our vote to replace the lawmakers that are there who are unwilling to act. So we need to start voting on this issue. Like you said, you're uh, the Democratic nominee for the first district here in uh, South Carolina. Um, First district runs um, through a good bit of Charleston, but also up the coast a bit and into Berkeley County. Gun sales have skyrocketed over the past few years in South Carolina. I just looked it up like just five minutes ago and over a million, over a million um, background checks have been recorded by the FBI since the beginning of 2020. And that's usually the indicator, the leading indicator for gun sales in South Carolina. That's that's what's mostly used to kind of track gun sales because private gun sales aren't tracked. They can't be tracked. Um, What policies are, do you propose to kind of get a handle on? Cause those gun sales are, it's part of the culture in South Carolina. There's a reason why there are a million checks that have been done in South Carolina and, and nothing's going to be undone quickly. What policies do you propose that you think start to undo this mess here from DC? Yeah, so you're exactly right. So the number of guns in this country has continued to increase at an incredibly fast rate. So this whole notion that if we elect a Democrat, someone's going to come and take your guns, that's not going to happen. You know, we had a Democrat in the White House for eight years with Obama. Everybody owns more guns than they did back then. No one is coming to take your guns. I always want to ensure people that I support the Second Amendment. I have no problem with legal gun owners, law-abiding citizens who choose to own guns. That is a constitutional right. But what I do have a problem with is the lack of action on this issue. So when I am elected, when I am in Congress, my priorities will be an expanded background checks bill, which is what has already passed the House. We just are stalled in the Senate. We need background checks on all gun sales, including private gun sales. Over 90% of Americans, Democrats, Republicans, gun owners, non-gun owners support universal background checks. That would be my priority. I also support a federal secure storage law so that adult gun owners are held liable if a child gains access to an unsecured firearm, unintentionally pulls the trigger, injures or kills themselves or someone else. I support expanded funding for gun violence prevention research and expanded funding for hospital and community-based 
violence intervention programs. There is so much space here where we all agree. We are made to believe that we are on polar extremes on this issue, but there, the majority of us are in the middle and there is so much on which we agree. We just need leaders who will enact the will of the people. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up? I just want to urge parents and grandparents who are feeling hopeless, helpless, angry, frustrated, sad today to really think about the most effective way to channel those feelings into change. Because if moms like me across this district start voting on this issue, we could have change very quickly in this country. But we have to be serious about that. We have to remember how we feel today, and we have to use our vote to enact change. We've got the Republican primary for the first district coming up here in a couple weeks, less than three weeks from or three weeks from yesterday, I guess. Um, and you'll be on the ballot in November against probably Nancy Mace or Katie Arrington. Um, in addition to a slew of other state and local elections and federal elections here in South Carolina. Dr. Andrews, if people want to learn more about your campaign and read more about your research into gun violence, where can they find that information? Yeah, so my campaign website is dranniandrews.com. That's just dranniandrews.com. And there you can see where I stand on gun violence. We have links to my research and you can see where I stand on a plethora of other issues as well. Cool. Dr. Andrews, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. That's all I've got for you today. If you have feedback for the show, you can leave a voice message at 843-474-1319 or email sam at nowcharleston.com. If you can rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now, that's a big help too. And as always, check nowcharleston.com for links and notes from today's show. To make sure you don't miss anything, follow twitter.com slash nowcharleston and instagram.com slash nowcharleston. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back on Monday with the next Now Charleston. Have a great weekend.